Good morning, Central Christian Church. How many of you would like to defeat your negative thoughts? I know, I would, me too. You know, we are continuing our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. So we're going to circle back and unpack the answer to that question in a moment. But first, happy Mother's Day. A special shout out to my mother watching online in Florida and Grammy Elsie and Gigi in Ohio. I love you ladies so very much. Happy Mother's Day. You know, some of you need to call your mom and just say thanks. Thanks for not selling me to the circus or feeding me to the sharks, because for you, that was a real possibility. I always call my parents and say, hi, it's me, your favorite daughter. Yes, I'm the only one. To which my dad quips back, well, hello, Rosemary. No, that's not my name or my middle name, because I'm pretty sure they've wanted to feed me to the sharks many times in my life. You know, Mother's Day is a beautiful day of appreciation and awareness. And I hope that your home is overflowing with beautiful moments and phone calls. But maybe some of you dread this day. This is a hard day for you. You remember a beloved mother that's not here. And maybe some of you, you didn't get to be the mother that you thought you would be. God sees you and he knows and he loves you dearly and so fiercely. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that, that you can speak to us. And God, I thank you for all of the mothers on this Mother's Day and all of the ladies, Lord. God, I just ask and invite you um, into this space, God, that you would draw us close to you. In your precious name we pray, amen. Well, hey, a week or two ago, my oldest son, Cannon, went on a field trip to Mission Springs, his first one in like four years. He had a blast. While he was there, one of my sweet mom friends texted me this picture. All right, at first I was like, what is he doing? And I, I zoomed in on the photos and I realized Cannon was eating ants. He was popping apart their bodies and eating them. So gross. Apparently the naturalist was explaining to the kids that this is an option if you ever get lost in the woods. Ants are a good source of protein. Thank you for that, Miss Nibbling, this fifth grade teacher. Gag me. And so when I go to pick up Cannon from this field trip, you know, we're talking, he's so excited, filling me in on all the things he did. And, and I was like, buddy, I heard you ate like 12 ants. Why? That's so gross. To which Cannon quickly replied, oh no, mom, I was hungry. I ate like 50. So cheers. Cheers to all the moms celebrating today, to all the conversations that you've had with your littles or adult children that you never in your life thought that you'd be having. I see you. So cheers to raising people and enjoying life surprises. Well, hey, we are continuing our series, Winning the War in Our Mind, and I am so glad you could join us. We're going to tackle the topic of how to defeat negative thoughts. You know, many of you are in the middle of a pretty decent life, but still find some things to complain about. I mean, that can be all of us, right? Negative thoughts plague us. Our mind is a battlefield, and most life's battles are won or lost in our mind. The life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts you think. How many of you would like to have a positive life, right? Yeah. It, what comes into your mind comes out in your life, and you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. We're gonna read from this passage 
together. It's our theme verse in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Today, we will be talking about how to defeat our negative thoughts. Tim talked last week about our ruts and our neural pathways. The more you think a thought, the easier it is to think. So we first have to address some wrong patterns that we've adapted. We have to address our cognitive biases, our mental filters, because we all have some cognitive biases, maybe some, some you know, things we've chosen to believe that are lies. A cognitive bias is defined as this. It's a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences. Our mental filter impacts how we think. I like this example from Craig uh, in the book that helps define a little bit more about our, what our cognitive bias is. He shares this story. Imagine you're getting ready to go to a party with a friend. And right before you walk into the party, your friend grabs you by the elbow, looks you in the eye, and says, you know, everyone at this party thinks you're an idiot, right? For real. Okay, let's go party. You are in shock. And now you're thinking, oh my goodness, I had no idea people think I'm an idiot. Much less everyone at this party. Everything at the party would seem totally different to you. People are talking in whispered tones and you think, oh my goodness, they're talking about me and they think I'm an idiot. The host forgets to come and take your coat. Well, you know why. She doesn't want you to be there. She thinks you're an idiot. Your friend eventually wants to leave early. It's because, you know, they're embarrassed of you. You're an idiot. And as you leave the party, your friend looks at you and says, oh, did you believe that whole idiot thing I told you? Gotcha. No one actually thinks that. No one at the party thought you were an idiot, but because you assumed they did, you looked at everything through that lens. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. A mental filter impacts how you think. Well, Tim, as you know, wears glasses, and a while back we made a trip to Costco, which is my idea of a nightmare, and Tim forgot to bring his regular glasses. He only had his sunglasses. So he was in Costco in his sunglasses, and he kept saying how dark it was in the store and lowering his glasses to see. You know, I think in the same way, many of us could be walking around and have a mental cognitive bias that's dark. We don't see or experience our situation clearly. Our lens is, is dark and our frame is off and we can't see our reality truly as it is. Well, maybe you can relate to a few other cognitive biases. Maybe you grew up with a mom that drank to compensate for her stress at life. So a mental filter would be that it's normal to parent and live life as a functioning alcoholic. And now you might find yourself struggling to stay sober. Maybe you grew up around abusive men and you have a hard, it's really hard for you to trust men now. Maybe you're a high schooler or college student and everyone tries drugs and alcohol when they're figuring out who they are. You know, you're young, it's okay. So you start making choices and decisions that radically alter your life. Maybe you've had a few child experiences that tell you that you will never be enough. 
You'll never measure up in the workspace. You'll never measure up and be good enough in relationships. You will never be good enough. When we have poor mental filters, that impacts how we think. The filters you have shape how you see life. But if we change the filter, change the lens, then we can change how how we feel. Because God has created each of us with a purpose, with a plan. And we need to live in the mental space where, where we can acknowledge that God is rewiring how we see the world. And that can only happen if we identify our cognitive biases and we intentionally address our default filters. We have to eliminate lies we are believing that are creating a negative filter on life. We have to think about what we think about. Our cognitive bias is definitely a default filter we don't often see. For example, two people could respond very differently in the same situation. Let's take church, for example. This morning, someone who loves church walks into the worship center and they're thinking, oh, I'm so excited to be here. You made it on time. You got your coffee and you're ready to enter into incredible worship. And the message last week really helped you grow. And then maybe another person walks into the worship center. They take a seat and immediately start thinking, oh, this church is all about money. The music is so loud. Oh, I'm so offended at how that person just looked at me. All these people are a bunch of two-faced hypocrites. Christians are a bunch of miserable fakes. The other person, while sitting there, looks around the room and starts thinking, oh, there's Michelle. I saw the weekly prayer email. I'm so glad she's here today. Oh boy, after service, the kids can't wait to, to play on the playground after church. I need to connect with some of them, um, some of the ladies from small group. Um, gosh, they've really been holding me accountable. I am just so thankful that we're all a bunch of imperfect people. I just, I love this church family. The facts and aren't different. Both people had the same experience. It's their filter. It's the lens in which they see things. I'm reminded of the story found in Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. Moses sent 12 spies to explore the land of Canaan. A leader was from each tribe to explore this promised land. Moses tells them, hey, you know, go see what the land's like, what the people are like. Even tell, me, tell us about the soil and, and bring back samples of the fruit. So these 12 men, these 12 spies venture out and they come back carrying two poles, a massive cluster of grapes, pomegranates, and figs. They come ready to give the report to Moses and the people. 10 of them, 10 of the men report the people are powerful. Cities are fortified. Um, The men there are huge. They're giants. Maybe like Kevin Looney from the Golden State Warriors, right? It's a land of giant warriors, right? They go on to say, these men, that, that, that we are like grasshoppers. We can't attack them. We can't fight them. We'll lose. And then two of the men, they stand up and they say, oh, the land, it's great. It has, it's, it's overflowing with milk and honey. Caleb declares, we should go. We should go and take possession of the land. Surely we can do it. He's ready to charge the hill. All 12 of the men saw and experienced the same thing. It's not that the facts are different, it's the filter. Same situation. How you frame it determines how you see it. It's not easy to do, and we have to be aware of how we're reframing our situation. So there's a tool that we can use called reframing. Reframing is defined as creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you've really wanted something in life 
And then you start experiencing the opposite. You worked hard, you got, a de- you got a degree that you wanted, and you keep getting skipped over for the promotion. You know, you dreamed of a great marriage, you married who you thought was the love of your life, and now you're divorced. You know, you finally retire and are looking forward to traveling and seeing your adult kids and grandbabies, and you get sick. You know, maybe at this point, life, you expected something different. You expected it to be better. You expected to level up. And life hasn't turned out how you thought. I think we can look to Paul as the master at reframing his thoughts on life. We've been talking about him from the previous series, Tim led us through in Philippians. You know, Paul was imprisoned repeatedly. He was flogged. He was exposed to death again and again. He received 39 lashes five times. He was beaten um, with rods three times. He was pelted with stones. He was shipwrecked three times. And then here in the passage we're about to discuss, Paul sits in prison. He dreamed of preaching and sharing the word of God all over Rome. He goes from being this preacher to being imprisoned. You know, and Paul, he could have framed the situation like this, like a big whiner. Okay, so this is from Philippians 1, 12 through 13. It's the the new whiner's version. Paul could have framed his situation up like this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting groups and I'm never going back to church. That's how Paul could have framed up his situation as he sat in prison attached to a Roman guard. But no, what does Paul say? He says this, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Gosh, you know, Paul, most people would say, Paul, you're in a bad situation. This is awful. But Paul is looking at a situation. He's framing it as a good thing. He's chained to influential Roman guards. You know, Tim used this chain a while back. There's a new guard every eight hours. He goes on to say this in verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he's preaching in prison and he's influencing people for the kingdom of God. He reframed his situation. He goes on to say this in 2 Corinthians 11.30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Paul is truly a master at reframing his situation. His current mental state, he turns it to look at the best. He intentionally defeats his negative thoughts. You know, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So today, here are three things that you can do to help you reframe your story and your relationships. And this is where the notes kick off even more. Number one, thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. You know, my parents were in a car accident with my nephews and my great-grandma on Easter. You know, this accident, it happened on a bridge in Florida, and it could have been a lot, lot worse. But they were all fine, and no one was hurt. Then you think of Mary in the Bible. You know, her situation, she finds out that she is pregnant and has to tell her friends and family. Can you imagine the shame and disgrace that she would anticipate? You know, this is a bad situation. But you know how Mary responds? In Luke 1, 38, she says this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you've said. 
She thanks God for what, what didn't happen. And then Jesus, when he's about to go to the cross, and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Repeatedly, he says this in the Gospels, in Matthew 26, 36 through 46. He pleads with God to take his cup from him. He says in verse 39, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And then as he continues to pray, his last line is this. And then he says, and yet not as I will, but as you will. So thank God for what didn't happen. What if Jesus didn't go to the cross? We all thank God for the gift to Jesus because he died on the cross for our sins. We can have eternal life. What are some things in your life that you can thank God for what didn't happen? You know, maybe you almost married that person you shouldn't. Thank God that you didn't. Maybe you missed some deadlines and goals at work, but you didn't lose your job. Maybe some of you need to reframe the guilt of your past and say, thank you, God, that I survived that and I'm here today. So number one, we need to thank God for what didn't happen. And number two, we need to practice pre-framing. You know, our thoughts or frames shape what we experience. Tim and I often uh, look at each other when we're doing various activities with the kids that may not be the most awesome at the time. And we'll look at each other and say, this is fun, this is fun, this is fun to help us frame up our situation, to try to keep us positive. You know, whatever experience we're walking through, this is fun. Some of us need to pre-frame our future. We need to eliminate negative thoughts that we've been having about our outlook on life, your future plans and your journey. You need to pre-frame that. And, and maybe you need to start saying to yourself, you know what, it's going to be hard, but this is fun. I love a challenge. Oh, I can't stand going to that house or seeing those people, but you know what? I, I get to be there with family. I'm going with family. Maybe it's changing even some of the verbiage we use. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. Maybe you need to pre-frame how you feel about church. Oh man, I, I messed up and everyone here knows I'm a big screw up again. But maybe you need to pre-frame that thought, take it captive and identify the lie. Pre-frame it. You know, many of you know and have been praying for my mom. Thank you. She's sick, and recently we found out more bad news. And in my selfishness, I've really struggled. I'm so sad for my mom. My heart hurts a lot for her and my dad. And this message has really helped me with that spiral of negative assumptions that leads us to thinking the worst. You know, and as I was praying over this message, I was praying for many of you that whatever spiral of negative assumptions and cognitive bias that you were faced with, that you could pre-frame it through the lens of God. I know for me, this, this passage keeps coming up and something I've been holding on to as we are wrestling with my mom's health concerns. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So I've been fighting to pre-frame our situation, asking God to take captive my negative thoughts and help me to trust him, because we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we frame it and pre-frame it. That leads me to our next point today. We need to look for God's goodness. You know, you're gonna find what you're looking for. I love this visual. You know, vultures, nasty birds. 
They fly around looking for dead things to eat. You know, vultures have an excellent sense of sight and smell to help them locate food. And they can find a dead animal from a mile or more away. And while vultures are hunting and consuming dead things, then there's the hummingbird. You know, a hummingbird flies around looking for all the pretty sweet things, the bright, colorful things. They are attracted to colorful flowers. You know, we have a hummingbird feeder in our backyard and we love watching them. You know, a group of hummingbirds is actually called a bouquet, which I think is so fitting, right? This, this, this hummingbird that goes around looking for all the good things. And that's exactly it. We can choose to see and to find bad, negative challenges, or we can choose to look for good, positive opportunities. So we should look for God's goodness. We look for what we want to see. Let's look for God's goodness in all things. So we've acknowledged three ways to help us reframe our story and our relational interactions. We thank God for what didn't happen. We pre-frame our circumstance and, and frame up um, our circumstances and we look for God's goodness. So our final keys to defeat negative thinking, we have to, number one, remember that God works in all things for good. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We have to reject unhealthy default frames. We have to acknowledge our cognitive bias and mental defaults, reject the lies. The old is gone, the new has come. And remember that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. And then number two, we have to reframe and pre-frame our thoughts. Not passively receiving our circumstances, but actively interpreting. Second Corinthians 10.5 reminds us that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Number three, don't interpret God through circumstances, but interpreting my circumstances through the goodness of God. Psalms 119.68 says this, you are good and do good, teach me your statutes. Psalms 107.1 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever because you are loved and we're gonna find what we are looking for. Let's demolish our negative thinking by meditating on the goodness of God. You know, in closing, Canon ate those ants voraciously. He was totally okay with destroying them and eating them. You know, and ants, ants are interesting, right? You know, ants, they swarm, right? They work in a colony, they work together. And you know what? Ants, they fight to the death. So today, we need to aggressively attack and smash some ants. Those ants, those automatic negative thoughts that are crawling all over mind, all over our mind, swarming on our, our thought life and impacting our, our mental filters. We need to smash those ants. We need to get rid of those thoughts that are holding us captive to lies and making us forget that what has happened to us actually serves to advance the gospel. Our future is positive. Good things are in store. We're gonna look for the goodness of God in all of our situations. You can't, happen what, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. 
So this Mother's Day, let's defeat our negative thinking and let's not just do it for ourselves, but do it for our kids and our families because we want to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, we would ask that you would reveal negative thoughts, God, that have been taking and and swarming in our minds. God, we ask that you would help us to demolish them and to acknowledge lies. God, that you would help us to reframe our situation, that we would see your goodness, God. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, God, and draw us close to you, Lord, and that you would give us the mind of Christ, God, as we seek to know your word more. We love you and be with each and every one of my friends and family today, God, and um, everyone watching online, Lord, that they would have a great Mother's Day. In your precious name we pray, amen.